I want to draw your attention today to some verses found in Psalm 126. Psalm 126. I want to read together from verse number one. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord have done great things for them. The Lord have done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. We'll end our reading there. And we know God will bless the reading of the word to every heart. Let's just have a word of prayer at this point before we come to look at this message. Almighty God and Father in heaven, in the holy name of Jesus Christ our Lord and by the merits of his blood, we approach again the throne of grace and mercy. And we thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence in Christ and through him. We thank you for his blood that brings us nigh. And we come, O God, in these moments and we bow down the living to praise thee and the saved to worship. And we lift our hearts to heaven and we worship thee, O God, as our God. In the name of Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. We worship thee, O God, in the holy trinity of your sacred persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as ever we come with a realisation in our souls, that we come as the mortal before the immortal, the foolish before the infinitely wise, creatures of time before the God of eternity, the sinful before one immaculate in holiness. But coming in Christ we bow, and we stand into the victory of the cross, and we plead the blood of the Lamb, And we pray, O God, with thankfulness that the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. And we pray, O God, that everything that's about to be said and done will redound to the glory of your great name, the honour of Jesus Christ, the good of souls, the good of your church. Lord, come, visit us now, we pray. And I confess before heaven my complete inadequacy and unworthiness to deal with what's before me now. Empty me now of self and sin. Wash me in the blood of Christ. Fill me now with the Holy Ghost and power. Grant, O God, that divine anointing, that holy baptism, which the Lord alone does give. The baptism to preach, the anointing to preach the word. Lord, grant it now and glorify Christ. For we ask it all in Jesus' name and we plead it all upon the merits of the blood of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Psalm 126. Some ancient writers believe that this psalm was penned by Ezra about the time of the captivity in Babylon. Though Babylon is not mentioned here, it was a most serious captivity. And the return out of it was most remarkable. It truly is a psalm from darkness into light. That's one way you could describe it. From bondage into freedom. It's also a wonderful picture of course, of what the Lord does for the sinner in bringing them out of captivity, those that he saves. He brings them out of captivity. He brings them from darkness into light, from bondage into freedom. It's also a wonderful picture of something else, of what the Lord has done in many times gone by, when his church is in danger, when his church is in difficulty, and he brings them out of captivity. He comes and revives them. He puts joy into their souls again. Because in this psalm, we see a great turnaround for the people of God. 
And we all long to be like those people in the psalm. We long for answers to our prayers. We dream of answers to our prayers. Look what they said in verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Their prayers had been answered. God had delivered them. God had rescued them. And that's what I want to speak on today. Just for a few moments. I want to speak in a message that I have entitled, The Turning of the Captivity. The Turning of the Captivity. The first thing I want to show you is the truth in view about a captivity. Verse 1 says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Now, at this point, I want you to go over a page to Psalm 137. Go there, please. Because Psalm 137 is a wonderful commentary, really, on what life was like in Babylon in this captivity. Look at Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And then verse 4, there's the question, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? There's this feeling among the people in captivity in Babylon that they're in need of God to reverse what has happened. And I think the thought is that they go out to the riverside to get away from the busy streets of captivity. They hang up the harps which once filled Zion with its music, with its sweet melody. And the harp hung up, of course, as a picture of the burdened heart. Won't be needing a harp at the moment, that's the thought. Of course, the enemy comes in and taunts them. Sing as one of the songs of Zion, verse 3. There's the voice of the enemy. Let me make it clear. The enemy did not desire and had no love for the songs of Zion. They didn't want that. But trust me, they were absolutely delighted that the people of God didn't feel like singing the songs of Zion. The enemy's delighted when the believer has no song in the soul. Sing as one of the songs of Zion. Oh, not for their love for the songs of Zion, but absolutely delighted that the people of God had no desire to sing the songs of Zion. Trust me, this is the last place these people ever wanted to be. Being the last place on earth they want to be, you see, that would never have been the plan for their lives. Nobody sits down, folks, and says, well, I think I'll make plans for my life to be one great trial. They're in Babylon here, Psalm 137, Psalm 126. They don't want to be there. And because they don't want to be there, they make their way to the banks of the river in Babylon. I think we see them go out there longing for peace. Dear people, let's transport ourselves to the scene. Watch them at the riverside, getting away from what has engulfed them. It might be sort of like us, or maybe I speak to one today, going somewhere to get our heads clear, just needing to get away from all that reminds us of the difficulty. The situation, that's the situation they're in here in Psalm 137. That They go to the riverside, getting away from all, trying to get away from all that afflicts them. They have no desire, I don't think, to hear the clamour of the streets of their captivity. They go to the river. Verse 1 tells us of Psalm 137, there we sat down. Those words, sat down, they reveal, they're very revealing words. They mean strength gone. 
shattered mentally, emotionally, spiritually. First one goes on, we sat down, we wept. They just cried their eyes out. I say to your people, there's no crocodile tears here. The Lord just brings us through the truths in the psalm of how these people felt their dreams shattered, their hopes and pieces. The truth in view, there's a captivity. Caused by the remembrance of Zion. When we remembered Zion. You think of some of the captivities in the Bible. Think of Samson, Judges 16, verse 21, that man of God. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. And I say to you, the only, the, the, the only thoughts in Samson's mind, some of them at least must have been what it used to be like. The power he once had with God. And now he's in captivity. Or in Jonah chapter 1 we have the running prophet. Of course not running for God but running from God. And the Lord prepares the great fish. And the Bible tells us Jonah's in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I say it's another captivity. You say would the church ever be in a situation like that today? Would you think of John 20? Verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. John twenty nineteen. At that moment in the city of Jerusalem, the churches, as it were, is behind closed doors for fear. There's no voice being raised at that moment for the Lord. The only voices that were being raised were anti-Christian ones. Let me give you some of those ones. Luke 23, away with this man. There's one voice was raised in Jerusalem. It wasn't for Christ. Or there was the mocking voice, Matthew 27. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. There was also the determined voice in Matthew 27. Command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day. And the thought there of course was this. We're not going back. To those days. Seal the stone. We don't want any more of Jesus of Nazareth. We don't want any more of this preaching in the streets. And I am saying to you dear people. Today that thought. That mindset is alive and well. Away with this man. Seal the stone. The captivity in view. The second thing I want to show you is the turning described. The first point, of course, was the truth revealed, but the, the turning described, secondly. Psalm 126, go back there now. Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. The source of the turning of the captivity, and this we always have to understand, is with the Lord. When the Lord, those are the words which speak of a turning point. For so long they've been in Babylon. But they, they rejoice in these great words that they're able to now say when the Lord turned again the captivity. But dear people today see this. The source of the turning point in the life of a believer or a church is always the Lord. 
whether ecclesiastical or personal, it's always the Lord. It was the Lord that turned it for Samson in Judges 16 when he strengthened him again. It was the Lord that turned it for the church in John 20 when Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And here in Psalm 126, the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, of his ancient people. The turning of a captivity is always with the Lord. That is always the source of the turning of a captivity. Since the source is God, let me say something about the turning of this captivity. Since the source is God, when the Lord turned, therefore the scope is unlimited. The scope of the turning of a captivity is unlimited because the Lord does it. Anything the Lord does is never marked by limitation. And here in Psalm 126, the Lord changes the history of a nation, brings them from captivity. It's a marvellous psalm. In John 20, he did it for the early church. In Acts 1, the church is captive in an upper room, but the Holy Ghost is poured out. And we can say, when the Holy Ghost, when the Lord turned the captivity, They're no longer closed away, but again raising a voice for Christ. And in the same city of Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 1, where all the voices were against Christ, when the Holy Ghost came and turned it all around, a great voice was raised for Christ again. But let me remind every believer in this meeting, there was a day in your life when the greatest captivity was turned. It was the day of your conversion. When you were brought from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, your captivity ended. You began a journey, justified, pardoned, forgiven, a journey that will terminate in heaven. And you can say, when the Lord turned again my captivity, I was like them that dream. Every convert rejoices in the God that saved them. The God that pardoned him. The God that forgave him. The turning of the captivity. The source of it is God. The scope of it is unlimited. What about the stimulus? The stimulus is unmerited. The turning of the captivity, the stimulus is unmerited. What God does, he does for his own name. It's all of grace. But dear unsaved, what about you? Let me address you a moment, thinking of captives. And let me tell you of the words of the Saviour that you so desperately need. Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He have sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Christ came, dear unsaved friend, to preach to the captives, those that were slaves to sin and Satan, but he came with a message of deliverance. By nature, we all were in that kingdom of darkness. But Christ came with the message. Let me say something else. Christ didn't only preach it, but Christ is the message. That he breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. See, the word captive concerning these words that our Lord said, the word captive, it gives a sense of one dragged away after being conquered. 
But Christ came to undo what our first parents did and undo all that Adam didn't do or undo all that he did and do what he didn't do. Christ came to reverse the fall and release the captive to sin. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him because he was anointed to preach the gospel. Dear people, see it today. It is the preaching of the gospel that delivers the captives. It's the preaching of the gospel that transformed Europe in the Reformation. It was the preaching of the gospel in 1859 that changed our lands. Dear unsaved, the one you desperately need is the Christ that delivers the captives. The turning described, the source is God, the scope is unlimited, the stimulus unmerited. What about the speed of the turning? Go back to Psalm 126, please, and look with me at verse 4. Because there you have a prayer. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now, what is the thought with these words, the streams in the south? Well, the thought is that the south lands the dry land. But there's a time each year when the rains come to the mountains. And as the water comes down the mountains, it begins to mount in volume and speed and power. And suddenly it is such a torrent that when it reaches the dry south, it floods into those riverbeds with such power and such suddenness that it can't be stopped. And whenever these people in captivity say, Lord, turn our captivity as the streams in the south, they're saying, oh Lord, just come with great power, just come suddenly, just come and intervene in our situation. Dear men and women, let me make it clear, we serve a God that works suddenly. We serve a God that works suddenly. Let me give you some portions. Malachi 3, there's the old prophet. The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Acts 16, Paul and Silas in prison, they need a turnaround. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. And Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, we've been looking at the church there. They're behind closed doors. But Acts 2, now they're praying. They're waiting on the promised Holy Ghost. And Acts 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind suddenly. The source, again, look at it. The source was heaven. Because the source is always heaven of a turning of a captivity. The source was heaven. The blessing came with great power. Look at the words at the end of verse number 2. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Acts 2 verse 2. As of a rushing mighty wind. Now I'm saying, if Acts 2 verse 2 had just said wind as of a wind, it would have been a wonderful statement. If it had just said rushing wind, it would have been even more wonderful. But it says rushing mighty wind. The word mighty, it means violent force. And you and I know the wind that blew that day. The wind of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. It was the power of God himself coming to his church, coming to return the reverse the captivity, coming to set his church ablaze, coming to give 
power to his church. Dear people, understand this. The revival in the book of Acts, the revival at Pentecost did not begin in the streets of Jerusalem. The revival at Pentecost began in the prayer meeting in Acts 2. The effects of it were felt in the streets of Jerusalem. When God the Holy Ghost came, he came with mighty power. Because the church which holy blood was shed for was in a battle. In that city where the powers of darkness were rampant. You see, when you read the narratives at the end of the Gospels. In fact, you go through the Gospels. It is clear when you read them. That Satan's seat was in, Ju- in Jerusalem at that time. It was Satan that tempted Christ. It was Satan that sought to sift Peter as wheat. It was Satan that entered into Judas. But Christ had told the disciples, I'll send you another comforter, another divine person to do the same work. And I'm saying to you in Acts 2, in this sudden intervention by God, where Satan's seat was, came the mighty sudden power of the Holy Ghost to comfort the church and to confront the enemy. And I say that is what we need today. The Holy Ghost to come and do the same. Come suddenly, come with great power to confront the enemy and comfort the church. The source of the turning of a captivity is with God. The scope is unlimited. The stimulus unmerited. The speed of it sudden. What about the prayer for it? Going back to Psalm 126. Psalm 126, look with me there at verse number 4. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. The turning of the captivity, I want you to note, was prayed for. It was prayed for. And that's what we need to do. Dear people, don't waste these days that we pass through. Days when we have time. Days when because of this awful virus we have time to be alone with God, many of us. Days when we have time to wait on God. Days when we have time to say, Lord, turn again our captivity. I say to you, don't waste these days. I understand there are people still working and we thank God for every one of them. But some people aren't. Some people have time to pray. Some people have time to study. These people in captivity, their cry was, turn again our captivity, O Lord. Could I say something? It would have been unthinkable for them to to say anything else. Obviously they're going to be praying about the captivity. Obviously they're going to be praying about the most pressing subject upon their hearts. But let me show you something about this supplication. There was unity in it. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 126. Turn again our captivity, O Lord. Turn again our captivity. Note that. They prayed together. Turn again our captivity. And dear people, see that. The unity in their praying. Now I am fully aware that among God's people, there are different needs. 100%. But there are some needs that unite us. Let me give you some. 
Lord, give the church power. Lord, visit our land and nation. Lord, open our churches again. Lord, come and visit the land. In these days when man is being reminded of his own mortality with this virus. Lord, come and visit us. Or to take the words of the psalm, Lord, make us dream. As we sow in tears, may we reap in joy. Oh, we've seen the truths. There was a captivity. We've seen the turning point. The source of it was God. The scope unlimited. The stimulus unmerited. The speed was sudden. The supplication, they prayed about it. Finally, thirdly, the triumph in view. Verse 1 again. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Them was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Do you see it? The joy has come. The tears are gone. There's rejoicing again in what the Lord has done. And the result of all that was the church and the world had the same opinion of what had happened. End of verse 2, we see the world's reaction to what God had done suddenly in Babylon. Look at the end of verse 2. The Lord have done great things for them. Note the word them. It's the world referring to what God has done for his people. And then verse 3. The Lord have done great things for us. There's the church's response. But both the world and the church have to recognise that the turning of the captivity had been done by God. The scope was unlimited. The source, the speed was sudden. It had been prayed for and now God has done it. The people lifted the harps again. With the great confession, God has done great things for me. We need to pray, Lord, let us be like them that dream. I don't know what your dreams, desires are this morning. Dreaming of loved ones being saved. Dreaming of friends being brought out of captivity. Longing for towns and cities to be transformed. Oh dear people, dear people of God, always keep this in your mind. That since the source of the turning of a captivity is with God, the scope is unlimited. The scope is unlimited. And that ought to thrill our hearts. When we come to pray for our land, to pray for our nation, the scope is unlimited of what God can do. I say again, look at our nations today. Six months ago, who saw the nations of the world being at a standstill? Who saw life as we knew it all being brought to a temporary halt? Nobody but God. But God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God was to do something across the nations of the world in transforming them with a breath from heaven? Because the scope's unlimited with God, dear people. 
God, our blessed Redeemer, our God, God and Trinity. With those glorious attributes of omnipotence, unlimited in power, of omniscience, unlimited in knowledge, of omnipresence, unlimited in realm. Oh dear people, think about it. Turn again our captivity, O God, as the streams in the south. Just come suddenly, Lord. Just come suddenly. Just come and visit us. Turn it all around. Maybe a backslider here. Like Samson, you've had better days. Oh, think of what happened, Samson. He found that the Lord loved him still. And Samson was strengthened again from on high. There was always the source of it. And a great victory wrought. Think of Jonah. Jonah, the fleeing, running prophet, was recommissioned again. And done and, and went and did the work of God again. Willingly. What about you who are unsaved? You're a captive right now. Captive to sin, but my dear friend, and let me say this with love to your soul, if you never come to Jesus Christ, you will be a captive forever. You'll have lived a captive. You'll have died a captive. And you'll be in the chains of everlasting ruin forever. Therefore come to Christ. Seek him today. Come to him and find all you need in him. And may God be pleased to write his word upon every heart for his name's sake. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. May God grant it. For his name's sake. Let us pray. Father take your word. Take all that's been of thee. And apply it to every heart. Take all that's been of Tom Laverty. And let it fall to the ground. But O oh God come and visit us in these days. We stand into the victory of the cross. We plead the blood of the Lamb. We pray against every power of darkness. And we pray O oh God that this very day. That thou would come and visit us. Do a great work, bind the devil, let the blood prevail, and honour and glorify our holy Lord. Lord, abide with us. Keep your hand upon all that need thee. Hear prayer this day, and now may grace, mercy and peace from God and sacred Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit be with all that love the Lord today and forevermore. Amen. Amen.